Michael Esger is a partner at Acosta Esger LLC. In this episode, we talk about real estate law, zoning, and development. Thank you for driving down the road to real estate. Enjoy the show. Michael Esger, thank you for joining the podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. How are you, Alex? Doing great. So I want to talk about uh, your college years at U of I uh, and your first interest in real estate. Okay. So in college, when when we were there, uh, the Greek system was was very popular. And I was in a house uh, down at school and and met um, the a lot of my lifelong friends there and a lot of connections uh, at, at Sigma Alpha Mu. And there was a tremendous alumni network. And I, um, I really looked at it as, at first, just a really great social um, experience and meeting some really great guys who um, really uh, wanted to have fun, but also I learned early on the importance of there was such an emphasis on grades in the house. And so we learned how to uh, really study hard, harder than I had ever before in high school, while still being able to uh, manage time to have uh, to have a lot of fun. And so those were some early skills that I sort of take with me, just that that ability to sort of work hard, play hard, but also uh, do it with um, people that uh, are really good character, uh, people and really good people that I could learn from, um, people that are, uh, folks that I, um, you know, just, just learned a lot of different things about life from. So, um, so it was a very good experience that way from the university perspective, we, uh, got involved in different philanthropies and and different organizations that sort of, again, uh, surrounded ourselves with, uh, people that, even to this day, I'm, I'm either good friends with or, or do business with. So um, coming from the North Shore of Chicago and then going to University of Illinois and then coming back to Chicago, that, that network of people um, is really important. And even, even beyond the education part, just, just knowing a lot of people, having a lot of contacts, and that's really served me well. And when did you decide uh, to go to law school? Well, I, I, I think I, I think I, w- I was always interested. I was sort of entrepreneurial. I had businesses um, in high school and continued into college. Uh, we and and I knew that um, one of the, the where that led me to was real estate. And I was not a business uh, major. I didn't have the sort of the math background that I would have needed to to pursue that side of things. So I, I thought that um, law school would be a, a good path for me. My grandfather was a real estate attorney. Um, my dad was an attorney. So it was, uh, my grandmother was one of the first female attorneys in Chicago. So I was surrounded by that influence. And, um, and so for me, I saw the pathway to real estate was through law. And uh, so I decided 
fairly early on in college, maybe sophomore year, that I knew I was going to go to law school. And coming out of college, uh, you started Michael Lesger and Associates. Uh, what did you mm-hmm. guys do over there? So, so I went again it, it, back to sort of the just the people connection, and I, I just feel that uh, um, that's a, a real big focus of me of mine is just is this connections with people and and uh, making relationships and and so i mentioned that you know going growing up in the north shore going to u of i then coming back well, I, I went to kent law school um iit kent and i chose kent because it had a technology base and um good a strong writing program and also it was in the city so i then furthered some of the connections uh, there were people from u of i that were at kent at the time people that i knew and knew people that i met so so there was uh I was sort of surrounded by a lot of, uh, a lot of resources that way, a lot of people resources. And when I graduated Kent, I wasn't exactly sure. I knew that a, a big firm atmosphere probably wasn't going to be my thing. I was, as I mentioned, I sort of had an entrepreneurial background. And, and so I, I uh, started up, I was trying to look for a job and I couldn't find a good one. It was sort of, there was a recession around in the early 90s late 80s early 90s and so from a real estate perspective it was sort of hard so i just said you know i for lack of a until i find something that i want to do i'm just going to open up my own office and again i had the advantage of being able to go in with uh my dad who was a lawyer he had a law firm so there was an extra office and there were some other lawyers in the suite and so i started handling a bunch of different matters anything i could get my hands on I did traffic tickets. I did, I helped people with minor criminal cases. I would pick up, uh, I'd do a deposition or a, tri- a trial for uh, someone that needed some help. And, but I quickly fell in, into doing real estate closings. And I learned how to do a real estate closing, not from anything I learned in law school, although I understood the basics of property law, but really learned the process from the administrative staff in the office. How to, how to prepare a deed, how to, how to um, do the mechanics of, of real estate closing. And so that was quickly became my focus. And I started doing um, a lot of closings um, for, uh, and I met, I knew a, a lot of brokers and other folks like that that could refer people. And so it, it quickly grew to handling um, you know, just many closings every month. Um, and that, and that became really the focus of the business. And, and, um, so that was, that was the start of things for me, real estate wise. And then I, uh, f- met some of my, um, friends from law school and, um, that I knew from other places, uh, there were two guys and we formed a law firm as Wallach and Braun they were sort of also doing the high volume closing business. And so we joined forces to um, handle more real estate transactions. And then it started getting into a slightly more complicated uh, real estate transactions, like a condo conversion or, um, you know, similar uh, real estate matters like that. And so that was a good, that was a good experience that took me to what would then become the next phase of my career. How did you get uh, different clients for your business? Uh, was it marketing, word of mouth? 
So it was really word of mouth and it was really relying on that network that I talked about that, that I had developed. Um, I, I, in those days, uh, when we started out, there was no internet, there was no, um, maybe there was a cell phone early on, but really, um, we, uh, we didn't, and, and, and advertising that lawyers do nowadays wasn't as prevalent then. And, but I, but I knew a lot of people, so I would, um, continue to get connections all the time. And, 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 it, and again, it was, uh, so it was, it was really word of mouth and it was, uh, me going out and meeting, uh, different people in the industry. And so, and any time that there was an opportunity to be in a situation to network or to, um, pass out business cards or to, uh, call people and, and so uh, I, I, that was the introductions. Those were, that's how I made the connections. Uh, a lot of it was, again, real estate brokers that I knew or uh, other uh, people in the real estate industry. And so I sort of focused, once I realized that was my niche, then it became easier to know who to focus on or who to try to network with or talk to. And, um, and, and it was just that face-to-face -face interaction or on the phone. Again, there was, there was no email. There was no texting. So it was, it was, everything was face-to-face, -face, uh, personal connection, interaction, and then make sure that when I got a case, I would do my best to make sure that I handled it really well and, and go above and beyond in terms of providing service. Cause really, um, much of what we do is providing service. And so if you can, can combine the connections of people that really everyone wants to try to help someone that's that's doing good work and 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 if you can um again uh, translate those connections in in and and then do and then provide good service um that's that was the recipe it, not very complicated it's sort of basic actually there was there was no, it's 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 just you know people and 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 servicing people and, and meeting people and, and trying to help out. So that that's that's really the the recipe that worked for me to get going. Now, was your time at Terrapin Group uh, different than uh, the the company you started? Well, so yeah, so so I mentioned that um, I connected with um, two of my classmates, and we formed a, a, a law firm, Esger Wallach and Braun. So that law firm was. Um, you know, there was not that many of us. I think there were between staff and, and lawyers, there was maybe seven or eight people. And the goal at that point was that we got a little bit entrepreneurial, uh, where some of us, some of us were doing closings and continuing to do closings while we started to also get into small uh, real estate development. So we, you know, would buy a, a building and convert it to condominium, like take buy a, an apartment building and maybe do a little bit of fixing up of the building, a little bit of work. And, and then using our legal skills, knowing how to create the condominium documents, which isn't all that complicated. We, uh, we would convert these condos and sell them. And it, and it was at a time when, um, condominiums were very popular and we started to sell and we realized that that was um, going to be a great way to supplement what we were doing on the law firm side. And so quickly 
we were able to grow that where we found a piece of property. Um, I think it was about 1999, maybe 2000. I started getting out there and really spending less time on law and more time on development. And I found uh, a, a deal, a, a lot, a, a big lot in the West Loop, um, which was, we were in the East Loop at the time with our office. And I went out to the West Loop and this was before the West Loop was as popular. Of, it was nothing, no, nowhere near what it is now, but um, we found a corner lot on Madison and Morgan. And we, one of the guys, fathers um my one of the partners uh there was greg braun and his father sherwin braun uh was an architect and he knew how to build buildings and so we put together a team and we developed a condominium project uh where it was 90 units which was much larger than and it was all new construction and we decided that on the first floor from a zoning perspective you had to have a commercial use and people in the West Loop at the time were doing dry cleaners or something small. And we realized that if we could put like a regular, really good retail there, maybe that would help with our sales. And again, relying on sort of my college uh, connections, one of my friends was a retail broker and I knew that he represented Starbucks. And so we designed the building around putting a Starbucks on the ground floor. There was no Starbucks in the West Loop at the time, but it was just getting started enough where he thought he could bring the Starbucks. And in fact, we made that happen. And so we were known as the Starbucks building. It was the first Starbucks in the West Loop. And when we sold out the condos fairly quickly, it was a very nice building and it still is today. And that really was the start for me of what became Terrapin Properties. Um, we formed the Terrapin Group to develop real estate ter under Terrapin Properties, but also had the law firm sort of morphed into the Terrapin Law Group. And we also did some of our own brokerage and sales because I had also become a broker at that point because uh, using my law license and becoming a real estate broker. Um, and so we did a, a, our own sales under Terrapin Realty. So the Terrapin Group umbrella allowed us to um, grow more quickly. And we did. We, we picked up more deals in the West Loop, but then we started expanding. Um, we added another guy to the mix, another partner, and we expanded. Uh, in Arizona, in Florida, in Wisconsin, and our niche was developing entry-level condominiums where people could buy them for a relatively affordable price. And they were typically in a mixed-use development, meaning retail or commercial uses on the, on the ground floor, and then many amenities in the building, and, and, uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and always in good locations, um, again, for an affordable price. So that became uh, Terrapin Properties. And it was, uh, we ran that for um, from essentially 2000 until the Great Recession in 2008. So not having that much experience or knowledge uh, in development, what were the biggest road roadblocks to learning how to develop? So that, that's a great question. We, um, a, a lot of my answers go back to people. And so if I had to say that I have one specialty, it's, it's, it's people and knowing how to um, get the right people on the bus, as they say, and then figuring out what seat they should be on in, on the bus. And so, um, which is sort of a good organizational principle. And 
you know, what I knew I'm very comfortable um, knowing what I don't know. And I think that's really important to know what you're good at, what you're not good at and where you're not good at something you want to bring in someone that is. And so I, I had no experience building anything, but again, we had, um, we had a, a Sherwin uh, who I had mentioned. And then, and then we found others that knew construction that once we had projects that were large enough, we could afford to have really skilled construction people um, who we would could rely on for um, for the, for that end of things in terms of negotiating and finding the sites. That was something that I could do. And then we early on there was zoning that needed to be done for any of these developments. So as a lawyer, my role was sort of in-house counsel in a way. One of my roles of the company, and so I would work with outside zoning attorneys. And so, um, and that was a a a, a real niche. And, and so we, I worked with a bunch of them in the city and knew a bunch of them in the city of Chicago. And there's only really a handful because it is a niche sort of profession zoning. And along the line, I met a guy named Rolando Acosta who became our attorney uh, to, to handle our zoning. So, and I would work with him to, to make those things happen, to get things approved um, and sort of learn the, this process of development uh, with him. And so development really consists of finding a site, which again goes back to networking, reaching out to a, a bunch of different people, talking to people, meeting people, uh, something I could do. Um, then, then it becomes about getting something approved in a city, which is um, something I was learning, and, but, but again, relying on third-party expert for that. And then, then there's the financing portion of it. And so one of my partners, uh, Jake Laird was, really great with numbers and financing and he was able to handle that part of things and then and then the construction uh the construction again we had experts around and worked with some large construction companies eventually in the city or whatever city we were building in to um and really our job was to manage them and to have them help us build and then finally with sales um sales is a combination of understanding uh marketing and, and by then, uh, of course, the internet and, and more sophisticated marketing became available. We had, under our Terrapin Realty umbrella, we had brought in marketing and sales experts that we met along the way that were helping us sell. And in areas out of state, we would, we, we would hire for that. So knowing sort of the components, knowing who and uh, being able to figure out who are people that understand who are the best in their class uh, to help you in a given situation. Uh, that that uh, development is really a lot about that. It's a, you have to be able to have a wide base of knowledge and and maybe an expertise in a, in a couple of, of those things, but be able to also understand who should be on the team that can bring in the expertise that you might not have yourself. And so I want to talk about the, the tail end or the beginning of the recession uh, with your company. How, how did that affect you guys? And what was your thought process for the future on what you'd end up doing? I'm sorry. So the, um, can you repeat the beginning of that question? So, uh, yes. Um, so I want to talk about the, the beginning of the recession uh, and how it affected oh, yes, your company. Okay. Yeah. And what, what was in your mind about what you would end up doing next? Well, th so that's a great question. I, I, it was a really um, 
really a, a terrible time really for us because we were caught up in even before the 2008 the, the sort of the crashes that occurred in the in the markets in the in the financial markets we were caught up in um because we were selling entry level condominiums you know there was a subprime mortgage meltdown where the our buyers because of this our typical buyer wasn't able to get financing to buy their their homes and so sales stopped and and it was really became the perfect storm we were caught right in the in the exact spot that um got hardest hit um because you know lenders became immediately concerned and stopped wanting to make loans even to finish projects that we already had finished that we could have worked through with them so some of the lenders that were able to stay on board with us um we did just fine and some of the ones that decided to um not stay on board and to say hey we, we feel insecure we're gonna just completely stop this and and liquidate things so we were going through something that never really we never really imagined that it it, it could be this bad and and the financial systems and how it would break down and so again we were caught in the middle of this and we had to bring in a expertise and people to help us lawyers and to figure out how to best handle all of these things and I think looking back at it, um, it was really stressful and, and it was obviously really negative, but I also learned quite a bit. Um, it is true that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and uh, learned a lot of things about resilience and also integrity. I mean, we weren't the kind of guys that were just going to walk away from deals. Um, and I guess the best example of something that I um, that came out of that, uh, it was that we stuck with one of our deals. I, I mentioned that Starbucks building in the West Loop. We had done another one at 901 Madison, another bit larger building. And we had a local lender that was really helpful to us. And we had a good relationship and they stayed with us because they could see that we were, um, weren't going to run away from it. And that we were going to stick with this. And we, we continued to work the building for many years after the company closed actually. So, and, and, and just recently, uh, because everything essentially was shut down. I mean, the, there was no more development in 2008. So we had to shift and pivot and figure out what we were going to do. And while we were doing that, and while we were shifting all of us and pivoting the partners and going our separate ways and figuring out what to do next, we stuck with a few of the projects. 901 Madison was one of them where um, just recently we sold the retail, which had been, we had kept the, all these years, even though the condominiums sold out and the retail in the West Loop, the area got so strong that we were able to sell the retail for enough money to pay back all of the original investors, a hundred percent of all their money. And, and so that felt really good that, uh, and we got a lot of nice um, compliments for that. And it just, it felt good that we had done the right thing. And, and I think that, um, doing the right thing when things are down and, 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 and there's adversity, if you can continue to, you know, sort of keep your head up and keep trying and every day, uh, it does pay off. I mean, I think I'm still in the real estate community and working with all of the, a lot of the people that I've met over the years and, you know, reputation and integrity. Those are, those are critical things that you, that you need to, that you need to have, that you need to earn and, and, 
and really much more important than anything else. So um, that learning that at that in that difficult time, um, reinforcing that notion was was really key. And um, the other thing that was really key is just understanding that you know how hard you have to sometimes work to to uh, either make a course change, make a directional change in your life and understanding that things really do, they don't stay the same and you have to be able to continue to be resilient, to be able to adapt and to, um, and to be able to change and keep going and, and be able to, to be successful. So, so it forced the, that crash in that time really forced um, me and I'm sure a lot of others to, to sort of, either relearn that if you, if we had forgotten or, or in some ways to learn new skills. And, and I certainly did. I mean, that's, and, and that really set me on the, the next third of my career, which I've been enjoying for this, these last 10 years or so. Um, and so it, and I really needed to rely on those sort of skill sets of, of, of uh, you know resiliency, hard work, sort of stick to itiveness, and um, all while all while um, continuing to foster the connections and relationships that I had gained over the years, and that was really the start of my new law firm, my new venture, which is Acosta Esger. And Acosta wanted, Esger, yeah, go ahead. I wanted to uh, yeah, segue to that. So you made this connection with Acosta during your time at Terrapin Group uh, with the zoning law. How did you uh, end up rekindling that relationship and starting a company? So um, he reminded, we reconnected. So at some point, the economy started to rebound and things got better. And I had been dabbling in a, a, a several different real estate um, sort of ideas and ventures and trying to embark on a career of being a, just a broker, an office uh, leasing, uh, retail, um, not retail, excuse me, a, a tenant rep, office tenant rep, and with a good friend of mine, Billy Masson. And I moved on from, from that uh, to take on a project. Some uh, group came to me because they knew I knew the West Loop and wanted to develop a high rise and asked if I could help, um, you know, sort of get that going. And I, in the process, I reconnected with some of the folks that I had worked with previously at Terrapin, including Rolando Acosta. And we uh, started to work on this project. And at some point during the process, he said, you know, I you know, the West loop so well, Michael, and I have a, um, I have an opportunity. I'm going to be picking up a, a client that wants to develop a Nobu hotel. And it would be great if, you know, do you want to work together on this with me? Because your skills, your skill set as a lawyer, but also as a developer, you understand, I understood how to, the, the process of zoning. And I understood the, there's a two sides to it. There's the legal side, which is more technical. And then there's the sort of development or political side of things and understanding um, the communities, the people, um, the, what the alderman of a certain ward in the city, for example, needs to be able to support a project. And so um, I joined uh, Rolando 
he, he, he said, you know, look, I think I'm getting busier. It will be, I think, you know, I've known you a long time and, and I'd love to work with you on some stuff. And so we started working on Nobu hotel and uh, long story short is we did get it approved. And the, that was like a big deal at the time for the West loop. It signaled a change um, in terms of um, new heights of buildings and users like, like Nobu who, um, sort of had the same dramatic impact that when we brought the first Starbucks to the area. And once people saw that Starbucks could be in the West loop and that was in 2001, that um, more retail came. And when we did Nobu in 2012, 13, um, that also signaled that, okay, there are going to be some higher end brands and businesses coming. And we formed right around that time, Acosta Esger, to be really a boutique um, law firm that really s totally s focuses on land use and zoning. We don't, uh, and we just understood our niche and, and wanted to only play in our niche and to, um, uh, to work with developers, investors, homeowners, uh, anyone that had a land use or um, zoning need in the city. And then, of course, the surrounding suburbs as well. And Rolando had been doing that work at large law firms for many years. And he had decided to go on his own and be at a smaller firm. And, and that was my, uh, that's sort of my background and my, my preference as well. So we formed, we formed the, uh, the group and we've been, um, again, through connections, word of mouth, the same way that. I marketed early on in my career is the same way that I'm doing it now, which is really just about people and doing the best job possible in servicing them and, 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 you know, producing good results, getting good results, but also, um, you know, again, just continually connecting with people, uh, to find the business and, and then, and then be able to have the expertise to execute on it. So that's really been the, that was the story of how we started. And that's really our, um, that's really our key to success. Now, since you were in the West Loop, you've been in the West Loop for a while. I want to talk about the uh, change in zoning through the neighborhood and the aldermen. What, what changed uh, within the area that said, uh, we want this to be more retail. We want more uh, people to enjoy their time in the West Loop with restaurants and everything. What changed? So a number of things changed and it took time, but, but actually, if we look back, it's, it's a, relatively sh a relatively short period of time, um, 20 years or so that, that got us to where we are now. And uh, the, there was a one, one um, sort of basic thing about the West Loop is that unlike other areas of the city that, that change over time, there was no one really living in the West Loop during the time of all this change. In other words, um, there was years ago, like a hundred years ago, people lived in the area. And over time it became much more about industry. And so there was, it was a big manufacturing area. There was either the meatpacking district, which was all about business, and then other businesses that were moving in to that area. And they were really supporting the activities of the Loop and maybe the Chicago region, it's very good transportation in and out of the West Loop because there's your very good proximity to highways. And so 
this is where a lot of our businesses were. And let's say when I started uh, looking at the West Loop in 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 the late '90s and um, early 2000s, and when we started bringing in residential, and and when the area started to gentrify, went to to improve and to grow, we weren't. Uh, displacing anyone that had lived there. So in many of the other areas of the city, when growth occurs, there's a lot of pushback from current residents that, you know, say, hey, this, I live here, you're changing my neighborhood. Well, we didn't have those issues in the West Loop because again, no one was, it was really displacing manufacturing for residential and it was all new residential. And so, um, and, and the property values were going up which made it possible for the industries because they didn't really, they don't have an emotional attachment to where they are. They want to have a good place to operate their businesses. And if they could sell their properties for enough money to relocate into perhaps a better area, um, that was a, that was a win-win. So um, it it created a good atmosphere for growth. And there's really been one um, main alderman, uh, Alderman Burnett, who's been watching most of this area, who's been over, you know, he's got the jurisdiction over most of the West Loop area. There's a couple of other aldermen too. And, uh, but uh, Alderman Burnett was a really great uh, partner for the city and for developers and for the people that lived in the area because he uh, had the ability to work with sort of all people to, manage the growth and also manage expectations of people that live there and and his ward extends much further west uh, than just the west loop and so his goal was always to try to figure out how to how to connect the success of the west loop with his area further west so um he 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 was and i met him early on when i was developing and so he knew that we were he knew who we were. He knew who I was. And we had a good relationship because I just frankly did what I told him I was going to do always. And so that's a pretty easy uh, recipe for success. Say, say what you're going to do. Hopefully it's a good thing and, and then do it and, and, and do that repeatedly. And, and then you gain trust. And, and when you have trust and you're doing the right thing in life, um, it's much easier to operate, of course. And so um, that may seem like an obvious thing to say, but I, it, it, it's so critical. And, and again, it's all about people, um, doing the right things for people, trying really hard to, to always, to always do that. And, and so, um, the changes, so those changes, uh, like I said, I, the, the, the basic backdrop was in place for, for, for rapid growth. And then we had an alderman that was understood that that was important for the city, important for other areas of his ward um, to the south and west sides. Um, and so, uh, and, then, and then, then there was some similarities in sort of that meatpacking district of the Fulton Market area to New York and their meatpacking district. And people started to see that, wow, this could, be, this could be a really great place to come and relocate businesses, just like the example in New York. And I think... Uh, the city sometimes can be slow, but when they want to move quickly, they can. And the city's Department of Planning and Development also recognized that um, this was an area that uh, could really help the region, help the city, help help a lot of uh, development and economics for the city. And 
at the time that we did the Nobu deal, we were suggesting a 12-story building. And, um, and that seemed extreme at the time, but we were able to work with the city to get it approved eventually. And, and, and once that happened uh, and around that time, they expanded the, the city, the ability to get higher zoning and densities, which was something that the Chamber of Commerce, that many of the businesses, that, that many of us doing work in the West Loop all wanted to see bigger zoning, um, uh, bigger buildings uh, that, that could create some really great benefits for the area, more parks, more, um, more infrastructure, better services. And so with development and with density comes all of those things. And those things have, have happened um, over the years. We, we got a really big park um, we've, and, and many other improvements. So, and that continues right now today uh, with, uh, with um, in many ways, in many ways. And so um, one of the catalysts for those changes was the Chamber of Commerce. It's called the West Central Association, the WCA. And when I was developing, I was president of that organization and, and I'm still on the board and I still I sit on the development committee to try to further the goals of economic development and, 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 and also to help the neighborhood do it in a, to do grow in a, in a good way and to try to improve any aspect of the neighborhood possible. And that's what that organization has always done. And it's been around forever, like a hundred over a hundred years. And so the organization has sort of matured and grown and morphed and, and it continues to be a, a really great um, partner with the city and with the aldermen to try to help that. And there's some other organizations in the area too that have helped. And so um, there's a, a good spirit of people coming together that want to see, uh, want to see improvements, want to see it done the right way. Sometimes there's disagreements about what the right way is, but ultimately um, you can see, and we can all see the results of uh, some really great work by a, a whole bunch of different people to make uh, this area uh, so exciting. And as I understand it, they talk about it as one of the hottest growing areas in the country. So um, it's really exciting that um, to be part of this sort of for that whole period of time and have that perspective. Um, and that's been a really great, uh, just a great uh, sort of, I guess, project to work on and to be part of. And, and it's all culminating right now. A lot of it is culminating right now in a new metro station that, that, that this Chamber of Commerce, this West Central Association, we sort of worked on it really hard with a number of different people. And now it looks like there's going to be, they have announced there is going to be a metro station like the Ogilvy and like a Union Station and more in the center of the city. Another station um, in the West Loop um, near Ogden and Ashland and um, the east side of Ogden all the way to Ashland. So, so that's really... Uh, that's really exciting to see that kind of growth. Now, in a nutshell, before we wrap this up, I want to go through um, an example of uh, rezoning a property. If you can mm -hmm. give quickly from start to finish uh, a rezoning. Sure. So um, in order to rezone something, you have to have a project. You can't just, it's not practical to go into the city to try to do it without one. So if you have a piece of land, uh, or let's just, uh, yeah, let's take a piece of land, for example, and you want to, um, it's currently zoned that it would allow, um, you know, six units on it. 
Um, and the zoning regulates bulk and density. Those are the main things that zoning and, and uses. Those are the three main things, uses, bulk, and density. So uses is what could be allowed there. Is residential allowed? If you decide that residential is what you want to do on that land, perhaps it has to be rezoned to allow for residential. So now you're, you're uh, you, so that's step one. You're figuring out what you want to do. You, you want to, in my example, go from an industrial to a residential area because that's what happened, let's say, in the West Loop. So then uh, the current zoning maybe only allows for, um, you know, six units, but you realize that your economics uh, are necessary. To what's the highest and best use? You really need 10 units. And so um, if you can get um, the use in place and you can increase the density from six to 10, um, now you're creating a lot of value. You're adding a lot of value to the property and you first talk to an alderman of an area. And if it's in the suburbs, you're talking to an elected official, you're talking to, um, to make sure that they are comfortable with the idea. And then you talk to the city, the, the planning staff at the city, and you um, put together an application and you have an architect draw a building. And so it's really that building that becomes, once you draw the building, how, what, it, what relief do you need? What zoning relief do you need to, to make that building happen? And uh, there may be a number of different things that you need to be uh, aware of to get approved for that particular building. You then um, typically take that building and, and not only show it to the city, but also talk, start talking to the neighborhood. And it's really important to include the communities because um, you want to get them on board. You don't want, if there's concerns or questions, you want to try to address those as best you can with the community. And by doing so, you're helping the alderman if you can't get the community to support you, the alderman won't support you. And that's important. So we always, at the same time, you're working with the city to make sure they like the design of the building or going through whatever their process is. You're also talking to the community uh, at the same time and getting, making sure that you have support or that you could address any problems. You, in that process, you file an application for rezoning. You then eventually when it comes together that your application is fine with the city and that the community is at least supportive enough to move forward and hopefully totally supportive. Um, but again, not everyone agrees to everything. So you hope, you hope that you do as best a job you can as possible to get as much support as you can to be able to move forward with a hearing. So you go to a committee on zoning hearing and you, um, if you're going to that meeting, that means you know that you've gotten the community on board and the alderman supportive. And then you, if you're successful at that hearing, you then go to city council for approval. And once it's, once you're approved and it gets published in the journal, and now you have a piece of paper that says you've been rezoned and you can go pull a building permit to build the building. So it's a combination of city approvals and going through the city legal process and at the same time um, politically making sure that the community that you're building in is comfortable enough to, to move forward. So it's those two things happening at the same time and, and and of course all the documents that you need for your application. And so that that's really that's really it in a nutshell. And the last question I ask on every podcast is if you had a piece of advice for your 18 year old self for what you know now, what would it be? It's a great question. And there's so many, 
so many things that you learn over time. And, and I would say that the best piece of advice is, is, is to make, try to always make uh, great relationships. Try to, try to um, not just network because you want to get ahead. But when, I, when people talk about networking, it's all about creating relationships with people. Um, and if you can do that, of course, you're going to be working hard in, in school or in your job and learning the technical skills. Everyone understands that. And you have to be able to do that. But if you can couple whatever your technical skills are, and since we're talking into, in the context of real estate and Rho Epsilon, you're either going to be good at building, designing something in legal or, you know, selling, you know, but what those are the basic skills of real estate, right? So, and that, that impacts most of the field. So, but if, of course you need to learn the basic skills in those areas, but, it, but if you can uh, develop and maintain relationships over time in a, in a, and focus on those. And uh, it just seems like that that's a, a great recipe for success. And, and it, um, and it also, not just financial success or business success, but also in terms of just enjoy and enjoyment and fun along the way. Um, you know, having those relationships really make all the difference in the world. So I would say that that would be uh, something that you know everyone focuses on grades in school, but also focus on people along the way. Michael, thanks again for joining the podcast. We learned a lot today. Uh, is there any way people can reach you on LinkedIn or anything? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn, Michael Esger. Um, and, um, my, that's probably the best way to, to reach out these days. And so, and my contact information is all there. Uh, emails are, are great. Anytime Michael at Acosta Esger.com. And, uh, that's great. Thank you so much, Alex, for, for your time and thoughtful questions. Well, thank you. Have a great day. You too.